Palmer Bear on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmer Bear. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. For Macca's, juicy Angus beef and the lot. Dine in and try the Aussie Angus at Macca's today. Uh, yes, indeed. A very good evening to you. Welcome to the Macca's Run for this Wednesday evening. I hope you've had as good a day as you possibly can, however you've been putting it in, wherever you've been putting it in. It's great to have your company now as we get you up to speed on the biggest news items and biggest discussion points of the day from a sporting point of view, of course. And the Macca's Run is all about you having your say on the news of the day. one three hundred seven three six seven three six to do that uh, on the Harcourts Open Line because it is always open, the Harcourts Open Line. Your move, your Harcourts for all things real estate speak to Harcourts. You can text in at any point as well. 0433981116. The Temper text line. Temper a mattress like no other. That's T-E-M-P-U-R. And we do it all for the My Maccas Rewards which has arrived. You can earn rewards with every Maccas run. The My Maccas Rewards. Order via the My Maccas app and start earning today. Plenty to get through and I suppose what we're all really dying to find out is exactly what was discussed today at the AFL Commission meeting. There, all through the day, I've been listening to you call in, uh, whether it be to, to Gary and Tim this morning from 6, from Jared Waitley from 9, Dwayne Russell for Midday Madness at 12, the run home, Andy and Gazy uh, at 3, with your view on what should have been discussed. And you can continue to do that, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. You can put your agenda items. What would have been at the top um, of your agenda items for the AFL Commission meeting that met today? And subsequently, off the back of that, straight after, to that meeting, there's actually going to be a, a meeting of uh, AFLW captains and senior players as they're still trying to get uh, a deal done to get their season started, in a sense, to find out when that season will absolutely commence, uh, when they can start pre-season, um, when the trade period will be, when the draft will be, uh, when players can start re-signing where clubs can start re-signing players. So it's still very much up in the air, despite us being told that it will be in August. But as we know, there are a number of days in August and um, there's uh, several, there's four weeks in August. Which one of those weeks, which one of those weekends, we're still yet to find out. So if there's anything that you thought should have been on the agenda, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 Just before we get into that a little bit deeper, on a few of the things that should have been uh, or could have been on the agenda. By the way, one of them will also be... Um, umpiring. We are at a tipping point with the state uh, of umpiring, the conditions that the umpires uh, are subjected to work in and around um, the state of umpiring at community level. Sam Landsberger, who has blown the lid off this um, in, in, in an incredible series of articles, which started out with the, the leaked document that was commissioned, the study that was commissioned by Steve Hocking uh, in 2019 that um, revealed the shameful and horrendous treatment of 27 female umpires that spoke to that. That report didn't seem to gain the attention at the upper echelons of power at AFL House that uh, we would have been hoping, or they would have been hoping that it did. Uh, and subsequently, um, that report and the experiences of those women being left out of the Women and Girls in Footy Action Plan that would have been discussed at the commission meeting today to the treatment of Alini Gluftus, to the um, the state of the bounce, the conditions that the umpires are being subjected to uh, at the top levels and all the way down through. So Sam Landsberg is going to join us at 6.30 to give us an update on that. And just to work through, um, it's an incredible story. And we are at a moment now where we, we just have to take this seriously. If Gil's looking to 
to cement a couple more legacy pieces to his stint as the CEO of the AFL than be the person that changed umpiring for the better, that finally locked it in as a full-time profession, that finally gave it what it needed at a grassroots level. Uh, hear Hear the horror stories that these women have had to endure and we do something about it, not just for them, but for the entire umpiring fraternity um, to, to, to fix it once and for all. Um, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. So we'll talk more about that. We'll get into that uh, in a little bit more detail. I'll play you what Sam Edmund, uh, Chief Sports Reporter at SEN, believed that was going to be um, on the agenda for the meeting of the AFL Commission today. But about a half an hour ago, uh, former Collingwood and Melbourne player Heredia Lumumba, um, we're a couple of weeks on from him previously having released, or a week on really, a week and a bit on from him previously having uh, released uh, secret recordings or parts of secret recordings of conversations that he'd had uh, while he was still at the Collingwood Footy Club, conversations that he had had with Nathan Buckley. Um, He was then invited by Nathan Buckley, um, who responded via Twitter as well, who invited him uh, to put a full and uncut version of the conversations on public record as to provide context for our conversations and the support that was provided to you above and beyond that which could be reasonably expected in the circumstances. Um, After that, Heredia Lumumba said in a couple of interviews that he doesn't take orders from Nathan Buckley anymore. Um, He did say to ABC Radio that he was done with this and that he was willing to to, to walk away, um, not without firing um, a parting shot and has released a statement today uh, via Twitter. He says, it brings me a great sense of peace and fulfilment to close this chapter and confidently walk away, having taken this issue as far as it has gone. Throughout the years, there has only ever been one mission, to tell and defend my truth. The evidence released has only been because individuals have continually undermined the severity of the harm I experienced during during my time at CFC, as well as the findings of the Do Better report. Since the release of the Do Better report, CFC officials have been at pains to avoid anyone taking responsibility for the club's serious cultural failures. Systemic problems are not accidental. They are the result of inadequate leadership. He goes on to say, I've been trying to close this chapter since 2017, but repeated dishonesty, misconduct and the refusal of CFC figures past and present to admit simple facts has dragged this out. I will always reserve the right to defend myself, especially after working so hard to overcome being systematically slandered and discredited by the club and its representatives. They will now have to bear the burden of what they... Uh, what they tried to deny for all these years and face the reality that they were unable to rectify things despite every opportunity to do so. He says, I've grown on this journey and uh, and the adversity has sharpened me in every way conceivable. I'd like to take the opportunity to thank all the people who supported me over the years, particularly Collingwood fans. I know it's difficult to continually have the club you love associated with racism, but your understanding of what is needed to improve these issues has been greatly appreciated. With less than two weeks before I become a father again, closing the chapter and releasing the burden has come at a perfect time. So the tweets that follow state... Many continue to ask, why is this still going on? That is a question for Collingwood and its past and present leadership, not me. It has been the reluctance and refusal of those figures to do the right thing that has drawn this out for almost a decade. Um, He goes on to tweet, uh, these people have either hidden behind a wall of silence or have only spoken to hand-picked figures within the AFL media bubble who are too terrified to ask serious questions. So uh, there's 
snippets again of audio from conversations that has been released, which we won't be playing. Um, but he does tweet in a, um, with those bits of audio. One of those, he says, is in response to Nathan Buckley's false claim last week that I'd asked to be traded from CFC. I'm providing this recording to make it clear that I was pushed out of the club. They made it clear they had made their decision and that my only choice was to retire or be traded. Uh, the next tweet says uh, that he's... Former agent Ben Nile listened to the recording straight after the meeting. He said his mum was present. He was infuriated after listening and immediately called the club to address them. Unfortunately, he didn't take it any further. Uh, his last tweet is, it was made clear to me that my decision to challenge the club's culture would simply not be tolerated. So um, there is a 50-second 56 second bit of audio and a 40-second bit of audio uh, with two conversations between um, with two conversations between one of them, uh, Nathan Buckley's in. So that it would appear is is this situation reaching its conclusion from the statement that Heredia uh, has put out on Twitter today. So I haven't seen uh, a response uh, if there will be one from Nathan Buckley uh, at this stage. But again, he did put the invitation out there and did offer Heredia to play those recordings in their entirety. Um, and they are secret recordings that Nathan Buckley um, stated that he was not aware at the time and neither any other official of the Collingwood Footy Club that they were being recorded. Um, he also had tweeted that... Um, Nathan Buckley had also tweeted that he that, that Heredia had asked to be removed from the leadership group, that he had asked to be traded from the club, and that the club had simply facilitated your request. So that is the latest, and it would seem from Heredia's statement today that that would be the last... Um, that we are going to hear about this from Heredia's point of view as well. From what I understand, there is still uh, a lawsuit open um, that if you look up on current um, current uh, legal cases before the courts, uh, this one doesn't have a, a conclusion on it. So it would appear that it is still open. So I don't know. It would appear that this is from this side of things is, is the finish of it, where they're, where they're at with the legal uh, side of things uh, is... A little bit unclear. So moving on uh, to the AFL commission meeting. I want to play you what Sam Landsberg, uh, Sam Edmund, Sam Landsberg is going to do. A lot of Sams, isn't there? Uh, Sam, Sam, <laughs> I'm getting them all mixed up. Sam Landsberg is going to join us at 6.30 uh, to talk more about the, the, the umpiring situation and go a little bit deeper on that. Uh, but this was Sam McClure today, Chief Sports Reporter, talking about what the AFL commission would be meeting about today. The grand final start time is one topic to be thrashed out today as the biggest game of the year moves back to the MCG for the first time in a few years. So Gil McLaughlin's ruled out the night decider. So a choice today to be made between the traditional two-something afternoon start and the twilight commencement. As we told you here non-exclusively about uh, two months ago, it is a twilight grand final. The conversation happens today, as does the AFLW-CBA that's caused so much angst amongst our female players given it hasn't been locked in. There's uncertainty ahead of an August start date. Length of the season, as we said yesterday, among the chief sticking points in this. Tasmania is an ongoing discussion. The AFL broadly supports the 19th team in the state, but after the Devil's Den artist impression, the new ad on TV, the souped-up petition calling for support, the final bid is about to be submitted by the Tassie Task Force, so a decision on this among the presidents, as we know, and the league is due in August. TV rights, they're back from the US. Uh, Gil, Travis Old, Andrew Dillon, Walter Lee... 
Current deal expires in 24. Everything you hear is that the next deal would look very different and change the way we watch the game. That'll be discussed today as well. Several clubs are pushing the AFL to increase the football department's soft cap that had $3 bucks wiped off it in the face of COVID. Collingwood, the Dogs, Sydney have been among the more outspoken clubs. That'll be discussed. The medical sub, the bounce, they're said to be reviewed as well. Is this, this all happening today? This meeting might go for, for an eternity. So plenty on the agenda, uh, Sam Edmund. Speaking to Gary and Tim this morning on SEN Breakfast. So uh, umpires hopefully will be right at the top of that agenda as well and, and what they're having to battle. And when are we actually going to take that part of the game seriously and put the right mechanisms in place? That is That would be such a, a gift to the game if Gil McLaughlin could do right by the umpiring fraternity and, and set it up so that it has a really clear and strong future in the game because it is a basket case uh, at the moment. That's not a dig at the umpires. They do an incredible job. The standard is just phenomenal considering that they only get to train about once a week at the minute. Uh, They all have other full-time jobs. Uh, They do a brilliant job, in my view, given what they work with and the the confines in which they work with. Uh, The AFLW as well. So Tassie, broadcast deals, soft cap, uh, there is a heap uh, on the agenda there. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Scotty's on the road. G'day, Scotty. G'day, Sam. How are you, mate? I'm well, thank you. <clears throat> Some, somehow, I don't think we've heard the last of Beretti, to be honest. But um, anyway, that remains to be seen. Sam, the, re- what, the reason I rang, I, I um, believe that the number one topic should be umpire dissent, and I think it must have been talked about. I said to my son when if when the, the rule first came out and uh, they were about a week or two in, and I said to my son, they're playing a dangerous game here, the AFL, because people are walking out of the ground after, regardless whether they lose the game, just being dudded by these stupid decisions. When people are walking out saying, that's it, I'm never going again, that's when the AFL have got a massive problem. I, I, I don't know whether you agree, but I think the players have got the message now, and I think the, I think the rule needs to be scrapped. Yeah, they won't scrap it, but um, I reckon they've found their place with it. It's like any other rule, Scotty. There's going to be calls made that that people are going to view as the wrong call. That's just when any rule comes, there's no rule that is nailed every single time perfectly. This is just like any other rule. There's going to be times where you go, well, I just don't agree with that one. And that that one shouldn't have been paid. That one should have been paid. It'll be like every other rule. I reckon the players have been phenomenal in the way they've adjusted absolutely phenomenal in the way they've adjusted. And I think the umpires have found, by and large, a, a pretty good place with it as well. And what I would say, too, is if you really want this to, to work even better, it just it lends weight to the argument that when you when you implement full-time professional umpires who would be in at clubs week in, week out, doing their match sim on the days that they have match simulation, they get to know the players better, they build better relationships with the players, they understand more and more what is a query and what is dissent. But the what I would find it really hard to believe, Scotty, but you're in amongst the people and you're telling me that there's people who are saying they're never coming back to the game because of one or two dissent calls not going their way. Is that right? No, what I, I'm not saying that I've heard that. But what I'm saying, that is a possibility of... If that rule was to to get to a, get out of, the, out of hand, if you want to call it that, to a stage where games are being won and lost by some guy just... Mm slightly putting his his arms out and a, 
a kick's gone, you know, 50 metres gone down, they've lost the game over a goal. I'm sure that there'd be people who just say, I'm, I'm over it. Yeah, but, but wouldn't you, but Scotty, wouldn't you then be angry at the player? Because at that stage, given that we're how many rounds in now, um, we're nine rounds in, we've, this rule's been there all the whole time, everybody knows what is and what isn't. There's, yes, there's been a couple of calls we go, that's probably overkill, but by and large, I mean, it has removed. Yeah, but- what is a pretty ugly look on the game and has been an ugly look on the game. So I know you might want to get angry at the AFL and angry at the umpire, but the play, even the players are taking ownership of it now. I, I'm trying to think of who it was that was saying this yesterday, that they said they'd be furious at their teammate if their teammate cost them a game for throwing the arms out. The players don't get enough credit for how well they've adjusted and, and how, how, how well they've managed this and will manage this. You hit the nail on the head where you said there were, there's still some very average decisions that could cost the game. And I'll, we go back to the two on the weekend. And, um, you know, look, was the Gowies a 50 metre penalty? Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm Absolutely. A... Yeah, Buku Karmas, I'll give you. Uh, Scotty, I'll give you Buku's. That, that was not dissent. That wasn't dissent. That was a query. And and they've said that that is allowed. A query is allowed just to get clarification. But you're better off just not doing anything. Just stare straight ahead. Um, anyway, we've uh, got to get to a break, uh, and we'll come back on the other side. And we'll keep this conversation going. One three hundred seven three six seven three six on the Macca's Run. The Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves for Macca's juicy Angus beef and the lot. Dine in and try the Aussie Angus at Macca's today. Are you worried about the triple header coming up for the Bombers? No, not at all. Why is that? <laughs> because they're on a Friday night. Three in a row. Yeah. The West Coast Eagles one could be a bit of a stinker. Carlton and Essendon will be. Or it might have some macabre sort of fascination yeah, well, about it too. Carlton and Essendon will. Then, you, then Essendon again with St Kilda. Mm. And then if we haven't had enough of the Bombers, well, hopefully maybe they've getting yeah, got their game sorted. Then we've got West Coast over at Optus. How does it, I understand how the first one happens. They might get on a roll. They right? asked for the celebration. It wasn't. I know we've spoke about this, but it's even more in focus given their performance on the weekend. I thought the rolling fixture was there for those that you know earned the right. Mm, yeah, they're, they're all considerations that go into it, and those that you know, they, you look at the game, the possibility of that game mm. being something that is going to be interesting or entertaining or whatever it might be. So. I don't know exactly how they ended up there. Gary Lyon, Tim Watson, early this morning, another one that the commission hopefully addressed, and that is how, and let's be honest, they are failing with this rolling fixture. It is just not working in the way we were told it would. It was supposed to be the best-performed teams in the best time slots, and that's a great example for Gary of where that is just absolutely incorrect. Essendon with three blockbuster time slots in a row after they were had only won one game for the season when that part of the draw came out. Uh, that has got some work to do. Hey, on the other side of this, we're going to do the Macca's Run quiz now. So, one- uh, Welcome back, or two, whichever category suits you best. The Macca's Run, uh, we do it all for the My Macca's Rewards, which has arrived. Earn rewards with every Macca's Run. You can order via the My Macca's app and start earning today. Hey, uh, Sam Landsberger is ready and rearing to go. So apologies if you just hold on the line and we will get to the quiz straight after we've spoken to Sam Landsberger, just juggling uh, a couple of things. But uh, he has been good enough to jump on the Harcourts open line. Your move, your Harcourts. A couple of big stories getting around 
um, one of which I think for him is uh, is breaking at the moment. So he might even be able to give us uh, a little heads up on what that is. But it was great to, great to get Sam on the show, a series of stories that he has been writing about the state of umpiring um, in Aussie Rules footy, more specifically the state of women in umpiring. He broke the story about the uh, Steve Hocking Commission report that uh, hadn't gone anywhere near as far uh, up the chain of command as we would have hoped, and it detailed the shameful and horrendous treatment of over 27 female umpires. Uh, the fallout to that report and how few people read it in its entirety continues, and then in a further slap in the face, um, the, the, uh, the, the horrible experiences that those women had to endure um, aren't being factored in to the women and girls action plan that the AFL is putting together. Those stories have been followed up with um, the treatment of Eleni Gluftus, um, where the state of the bounce currently is and the experiences of uh, female umpire Jordan Pearson uh, to the conditions that the umpires themselves are facing. Sam Landsberg has been following it through. It is a big issue in the game and hopefully one that would have been discussed at the commission meeting today. G'day to you, Sam. Sam, very, uh, very well wrapped up. No, thanks uh, for having me on. It's uh, great to chat. Been following this along uh, in the Herald Sun, mate, and you've been doing a brilliant job of shining a light on this. Um, for some people, you know, I've always said that when that story came out, I said this is an example that we shouldn't be surprised when umpires have always been viewed as second-class citizens for the entire history of the game, and there's still unfortunately a section of the community that sees women in the same light as second-class citizens. We shouldn't be surprised that these stories are happening, but we should be absolutely ashamed that they are. What, what's the latest uh, f- from from your perspective? And, and it seems to that the, the story now is... Um, just continuing to roll on. From what you understand, has this, has what you've been writing about made it to, to what would have been tabled today for the AFL Commission meeting? Uh, look, I think that the Women and Girls Action Plan, which Robert Ald's department at the AFL has been putting together, I, I think that has been factored in um, a lot of the recommendations that were made in the report that we published, I think, two weeks ago. So from that point of view, yes, I, I think it is a, a relevant discussion paper at the commission level. But to your, your point there about how you highlight that, you know, we are ashamed that this exists, but it shouldn't be a surprise given that the second-class nature, to use the words of umpires, I think the most staggering part of the report was the fact that so much of this abuse and harassment actually occurred not from over the fence, but from but from male colleagues. Yeah. It was coaches, yep. it was fellow umpires who were um, who were who were guilty of just some horrific incidents, and um, the bravery of the 27 participants um, in that report to to tell their stories with such open uh, honesty and candidness, and then following up from that, the um, the selection of community umpires who have actually said, well, hang on, now that I've, I've got a voice, I want to stand up and tell my story in the hope that we can make a lasting change. Uh, I, I just think so much credit has to go to um, the, the courage that, 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 that these young girls and women have showed and, um, yeah, all the response I've received over the last two weeks, which is quite unusual in my job. It's usually a lot of negative feedback, but to, re- to receive so many responses of people optimistic that this will actually create a, a positive impact on community and um, on umpiring across Australia, but um, yeah, more broadly in society, it's been really heartwarming and encouraging, and hopefully the AFL can follow through now and um, action these 11 recommendations and create a, a safer working environment for umpires across Australia. You, you've... You've gone uh, now, the, the story has been continuing to evolve and just going from a couple of tweets that you've uh, put out uh, in uh, in the last 24 hours, 
One is about Alina Gluftus being a KPI for the umpiring department. This is a quote that you're using mm-hmm. from your story in the tweet, and uh, it's disgusting to use someone like that. What kind of coach puts an athlete in a position like that and then not provide any pathway of su- or support underneath it? Just give us the background on, on this side of the story. Yeah, look, I think this is a really relevant one. I think this is probably a view that no one said, but a lot of people in the umpiring community have felt for a long time. And I guess I think the most important to make point to make in regards to Alini is the fact that she made her AFL debut five years ago. She umpired men's pre-season games six years ago. So it's quite staggering that five, six years on from a really historic moment in our game mm. that we have this report on um, which, which has documented sexual abuse and harassment in the pathway. So when the AFL pushed her up five years ago, um, Five years on, uh, it's it's no surprise that no one's followed her because there's so much abuse and a toxic culture beneath that. Well, uh, it's just it, it's just not realistic that there's going to be um, you know, uh, 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 um, other women able to follow in her footsteps, and that's unfortunately meant that. Alini is just so recognisable. Every mm. decision, I think Daisy Pierce articulated this on your radio station really yep. well. Uh, every mistake she makes, it's not, oh, it's the umpire, it's, oh, it's Alini. And 90% of umpires are probably anonymous um, because they all blend into the one basket. But Alini has been forced to, to carry the can from an, from an entire gender. And a lot of that's because the pathways underneath, nothing's been done to create a safer environment. So there's just nothing coming through. And um, Jordan Pearson made a VFL debut on the weekend. I think there's two female umpires in the in the waffle. But if we're being realistic, we're probably a long way um, from seeing another female field umpire at AFL level, and that's really disappointing. And the AFL, um, in the response to to our reporting, has thrown out this 40% figure. And um, when I asked the report's author, Damien Anderson, about that figure last week, 40% representation of female umpires across Australia. I mean, he pointed out that that's, that's greater than the number of uh, players five years into the AFLW um, venture. So it, it just seems quite um, quite whimsical. And um, I think there's going a lot of work's going to need to be done. It's going to have to be some radical change to get to 40%, because right now we're at 10.8%. We're at... Two percent, roughly, in the AFL, um, and that the AFL hasn't even put a, a timeline to it, which, uh, yeah, which is surprising. And I think before we start talking about percentages, it's more about just trying to change behaviours and cultures and make a safer place for for these young girls and women to go to work every Saturday and throughout the week. Uh, yeah, one hundred percent right. Um, and it it is, I think it's such an important piece of a set of stories that you you've been writing. Um, it, it is a great shame on the umpiring fraternity, the, the behaviours and actions of those men within the community umpiring system for the way that these women have been treated. Um, and, and, to, and to know why now through your reporting that um, we're not getting more women staying within it and working through what is a really a, a pretty undefined and not a strong enough pathway at the best of times, given that the umpiring at the highest level isn't a full-time professional gig. So it's made even harder when when experiences like this occur. One of the things that you think might help make it easier for for female umpires coming through, which would also be a massive um, welcome relief for a lot of the male umpires as well, is the idea that we get rid of the bounce. And you've written a a story about that uh, today, Sam. 
Yeah, look, I mean, it's not one of the 11 recommendations made, and I think it's clearly more more urgent that we get gender-friendly change rooms, et cetera, um, action in community grounds across Australia. But it was really interesting to note that when Jordan Pearson, who we spoke about a, a little bit earlier, when she made her VFL debut, uh, I think last week in the Essendon Box Hill game at Windy Hill, she was given an exemption not to bounce. Now, I put that to the AFL on Monday. I heard back last night that, that they actually said it was because of the conditions on the day, but um, I find that quite hard to believe because I was aware of the exemption about four days before she umpired that game, so it clearly wasn't conditions-based. Um, the, the, the two male umpires who officiated that game with her, they, they started the game by bouncing the ball. There were, I think, one umpire had three recall bounces, so a quarter time or half time, they said, well, let's just throw it up because it was uh, quite slippery. But, I mean, Jordan was told... Um, so she was given the option several days out that you don't have to bounce if you don't want to. And I think that's great. I think that's something that we should be embracing. And um, to read in the report that some girls uh, have been coached incorrectly, they've been taught a man's technique when it, uh, when that's a, a skill that should be executed differently for uh, for the other gender. Um, I just think it's it's just a simple step we can take towards clearing one of the potential barriers um, towards promoting not only female umpires, but also getting the best male umpires. Yeah. I mean, how many of the best adjudicators are held back because they, you know, that they don't, they can't elevate the, they can't generate enough elevation in, the, in their bounces or, um, you know, it's not one of their strengths. I mean, I, I know one example, I think in a, in a state league grand final in 2019, um, there was a robust discussion because probably the, the best umpire was left out because he wasn't the best bouncer. Now, if you're a footy fan and you go along to watch your team on a Saturday, do you want um, umpires making the best decisions or um, you know, sending it 30 metres up directly in the air? I mean, I know what I would choose and I think most footy fans would agree that we want the best decision makers and this just seems like a no-brainer. Most of the umpires are, are really passionate about this. They, they want it to go and um, I thought when they made the exemption last week for Jordan, it was a step in the right direction, even though they they won't say it themselves. And we've we've been hearing about this for a while that there's a lot of the men that don't want this anymore either. And even I mean Ray Chamberlain, who's probably apart from Alini, got the highest profile amongst the umpires. Um, he spoke about the fact that when he came under fire for you know oh he's not a good enough bouncer, he's actually bounce um, accuracy percentage was ninety percent. Um, so well. It, it, <laughs> So even the, the, the umpires that are t- uh, we, we believe to be the worst at it um, are still going at a percentage far and away greater than what uh, the best kicks in the AFL kick for goal. So um, <laughs> what, what are the other... What are, just for people who aren't aware, Sam, we're speaking to Sam Landsberg of the Herald Sun. He's written an incredible series of articles on uh, the state of umpiring and more specifically the state of women in umpiring. Um, what are the recommendations for those who aren't aware? Oh, look, it's, if you go to the Herald Sun website, you can actually download the full PDF, um, the 62-page document. I don't have them in front of me, but I know some of the key ones where obviously the, 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 the gender-friendly change rooms and I yep. think um, a centralised reporting tool so that um, incidents of which have been documented in, in the report um, can be properly documented and, and, and dealt through. Um, oh, look, I don't have the document in front of me and it's too important to, to not get letter perfect. So, no, that's uh, all. Well, in, in, your, all in your mind, yeah. though, apart from the change rooms, what are a, what, what one for you stands out in the research you've done and everything that you've uncovered, uh, apart from having you know their own change facilities, what other uh, one that do you think that's crucial? Oh, it's just culture. It's yep. just culture. It's changing behaviours. It's yep. changing... 
Um, uh, you know, it's like uh, th- th- there's so much, uh, you know, questions that, uh, about the selection of merit, which which just shouldn't be there. There's uh, so much of it is behavioural. It's just so archaic. Some of the behaviours and um, and attitudes that have been documented. I think so much of it is that. So that, that's why I think it's really healthy to be in the public light. I mean, let's face it, the AFL wasn't going to publish this report if we didn't. Um, so it's all well and good to invest money and get the change rooms up to scratch. But unless it's in the public domain and we're having these healthy conversations, we're probably not going to change behaviours. So I think that is the crux of it. And just to throw back on the bounce quickly, again, the, the feedback from that story today from a lot of umpires, both uh, at the top level and lower levels, has been really strong that, you know, some of them lose sleep before games because they're so worried about their first bounce. You know, that throughout the game, they're, um, they're distracted. Their decision-making suffers because they're anxious about getting that skill right. So I think that's another important point to make, read the bounce. And it's actually the, the mental burden that it would that it would be removed for umpires in the middle of games if and before games if... If we if we if we take away that requirement, I think would also, um, you know, uh, consequently probably deliver better better adjudicators as well. So that was probably one point I should have made before as well. No, absolutely, and I think it's a great point that you make. And we get when I say you know open the show up with you know what, and and we've been doing it all day on the station. If you were able to be at that AFL commission meeting, what's number one on the agenda? And so many people put umpires and the whole dissent thing and they're sick of the inconsistencies in decisions. I think for those people who get so upset by what they believe is 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 poor umpiring, to hear you say that it's actually affecting, it's getting so ingrained and, and in the psyche of the player, of the umpires and messing with them to the point where it's actually affecting the way that they adjudicate on the decisions out on the field. Then I reckon it's a no-brainer. If the umpire, the people that do the job are telling us that they'll do it far better if you remove this one little thing, and I know the tradition, so I'm happy for it to start the game in the quarters and then, yeah, let them throw it up because it, it would seem like a no-brainer um, if we actually listen to the people that are, that are doing the job. Hey Sam, it's been a great series of articles, and I feel like you've probably got a few more to come. I understand you were working on something today. Uh, anything you can let us in on? Uh, not at the moment. Uh, it's it's not umpiring related though. I'll, I'll tell you that much. So it's a it's a different topic, but it's a, I think it's a pretty important story. And um, yeah, still just trying to pull it all together. But we'll hopefully have it online very shortly. Good on you, mate. Thanks so much for joining us. Nah, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. All the best. Sam Landsberger from the Herald Sun. Uh, if you haven't read the, the series of articles, you can just Google his name and they will all come up. Uh, they're all on the Herald Sun website as well. It's well worth a read. There's some can re- really confronting stuff about what has gone on uh, at a grassroots level, but now he's bringing into what the experiences are, even at the top level uh, for women. Uh, it's a really important read, and it goes to an overall problem that we have right now in the game with umpires where we are at a tipping point we are really at a point where a, a strong leadership position needs to be taken. A big change needs to be made. And that, um, not only is it about improving the attitudes uh, and the culture, as Sam said, when it comes to the women, but from an overall umpiring point of view, make the move now, Gil, to make this a fully professional uh, and fully pathwayed and fully funded and fully infrastructured part of the game. They can't even access their training ground at the best of times. We heard Carolyn Wilson's report earlier in the year uh, that they can only train about once a week. They don't have access to the gym all the time. They're not. They, they the, the day they train is also when they do the reviews. So we we are seriously letting down the umpires and yet it is we believe it's one of the most important parts of the game yet we want perfection from umpires who are casual and part-time and only training once a week uh, yet we're happy to let 
our players go with half the teams kicking at 50% accuracy for goal. Um, it makes no sense to me. But if we want to fix it, then let's actually get in and fix it. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 Run quiz. We're going to do that on the other side of this. So sorry for those who lined up before. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Macca's Run quiz. A couple of tickets to the uh, corporate box at Marvel Stadium. One three hundred seven three six seven three six on the Harcourt's open line. On SEN, the Macca's Run. Call now on one three hundred seven three six seven three six for your chance to win. And run, run, run. Uh, we've got that magnificent double pass to the Marvel Stadium corporate suite. All thanks to our very good friends at Maccas, the My Maccas app. Uh, you can uh, ev- get, build points with every uh, <laughs> build points with every uh, time. Yep, I'm laughing because my computer, where I've got that credit on, I'm supposed to read, just shut down on me. So uh, you, you can build points with every time you use the My Maccas app. Just use the My Maccas app. That's all you need to know. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. We're going to head off soon. Uh, Melbourne City taking on uh, Adelaide United in the A-League. The team are assembled and ready to roll. Jordan's in West Meadows, though, to get us underway in the Maccas run quiz. G'day, Jordan. Hey, how you going, mate? Good, mate. True or false, uh, the West Australian AFL teams, Frio and West Coast, had the two lowest scores of round nine. True or false? True. Yes, indeed. Uh, question number two, true or false, Nick Rewald has kicked more goals than his cousin Jack. False. Correct. True or false, South Africa and the West Indies will play test matches in Australia next summer. True. Yes. True or false, an Australian singer swam under the qualifying time for the 100 metres butterfly and is closing in on an Olympic, uh, on a Commonwealth Games spot. True. It is true. Cody Simpson, the pop star, he's uh, actually beaten, he's actually uh, put the second fastest time uh, on the board in the, uh, at the, uh, the swimming trials that are happening at the moment in uh, South Australia. He actually swam faster yep. than Kyle Chalmers, who we know 100-metre freestyle winner in 2016 gold medal at those Olympics and normally a freestyler, but only uh, Olympic bronze medalist Matty Temple recorded a faster time in the heat. So that's incredible. That's a fair career change. Uh, now, for, for last and final... Well, of course, last is final, Sam, you idiot. Last question, true or false, uh, to, to sweep the board. Uh, true or false, the world's first McCafe opened in Melbourne? True. It is true. You've swept the board. Nicely done, Jordan. Light work. Light work, as Jack Jennifer would say. Light work, yes. Yes. Uh, Marvel Stadium Corporate Suite, double pass each time uh, we play this quiz. That's what is up for grabs, and you've got that uh, Corporate Suite double pass. You and a mate. Stay on the line. Link will get your details. Thanks, Jordan. Beautiful. Thanks, mate. Uh, as easy as that. Hey, just before we finish up tonight, uh, Neil Baum, always an interesting chat uh, uh, from the Richmond Footy Club, uh, long-time uh, footy guru, really. He's uh, the, the premiership whisperer. Wherever he goes, success seems to follow Neil Baum. But he was speaking to Dwayne Russell earlier today and the conversation around Dusty Martin. Um, yesterday, Damien Hardwick said that if Dusty wanted to leave, Dimmer would give him his blessing. Yes, he's a required player. Uh, I thought it was a great answer, and it just got a lot of people talking. Uh, this is what Neil Baum had to say. Dustin Martin, I presume he's playing this week. He hasn't headed to Sydney just yet. <laughs> uh, I really admired Damien for answering the way he did, because in the old days, you'd say, no, no 
he's contracted and we wouldn't let him go and under no circumstances, da, 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 and which is really our position. Our position is he's contracted and we'd love him to stay and we hope he does and we think he will. But the truth is, if someone like Dusty, who we respect so much as an individual, came to Damien and said, there's all of these things happening in my life and I need to go to Sydney, well, we'd certainly have, we'd have to listen to him. And that's really what he said. We'd listen to him. But from a pure footy point of view, um, we've done all the things we've needed to. We've contracted him. He's committed to us. We're committed to him. We want him to stay and he's a great player for us. And we don't want him to go anywhere. But if something really weird happened, like has you know, kind of happened in the world with the COVIDs and, you know, losing his dad and all those sorts of things. If something really happened, well, sure, of course we'd listen to him because we respect him. Neil Baum today, uh, Justin, uh, John Longmire, by the way, Sydney Swans coach, said today in his press that they hadn't actually spoken to Dusty at all. So uh, we'll just wait and see. We'll just keep an eye on that. And if Collingwood aren't dealing with enough already, Scott Gullen in the Herald Sun reporting that uh, despite almost losing his job because of what happened in New York Bar last year, Jordan Degoe is now going to profit from what happened in New York Bar this year. He's going to do a show, an uncensored show, with Braden Maynard. Goodness gracious me. A-League up next. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.